on the Virtual Bible Study tonight. We want to talk about the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit and ask if they are in existence in the world today. An important discussion, and we're going to get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- 3-1-381-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, November 17th, 2022. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Jacob Quinn. Josh McCord is to my right. Josh, welcome. Jacob, it's good to be here. Good to be with you. Kyle is behind the controls tonight. Kyle, welcome. It's good to be here. Glad that you're here. And we extend a welcome to you on the other end of the line tonight. And uh, you can help make this discussion better by giving us a call at 931-381-4567, by emailing questions at collegeview.com, or signing in and uh, to the bottom of your video feed and chatting with other listeners on the program tonight. We look forward to hearing from you on this important discussion Are there miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit today? You can get lots of different answers to that question, depending on who you ask. And we want to go to the ultimate authority, God's Word, because we do believe it has the answers to this question. uh, And we want to look at that tonight. But, Josh, lots of folks will give you a different answer if you ask that question. Yeah, Jacob, I, I recently, as we were talking about, had an opportunity to engage with somebody that believes in these gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, and it's very interesting. Uh, and, and the fact of the matter is, is that um, verses will be taken out of context. Um, and a misunderstanding, I think, of what the Bible teaches leads to false conclusions. And so we just, as you said, there's a standard there. We just need to make sure we have an understanding of what the Bible says about this topic, uh, and and we practice accordingly. All right. Uh, And uh, we want to look at that tonight, 931-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. You know, it's important that we go to the ultimate standard because there's a lot of subjective feeling and reasoning used in answering this question. Um. Lots of folks uh, want to put some kind of meaning on something that they experienced, right? something that they, they maybe saw, and um, that's a dangerous thing. Yeah, better felt than told type situation. And, and you know, one of the things that is true is feelings are real, and, you know, our feelings can, uh, can cause us to sway one way or another, but our feelings aren't the standard. You know, the, God's Word is the standard. And so I think you're absolutely right uh, as far as this topic goes. You know, feelings come secondary to, to truth. You know, once we uh, find the truth, we obey it, and then we our feelings and emotions should follow that. All right. You know, the, um, the scriptures talk about uh, those who would work lying wonders, false signs, yeah. false prophets, lying spirits. Those things are real and dangerous, and... Um, so we've got to be careful that we're not being led astray by those types of things. And, uh, again, the only way we can know for sure is if we have an objective standard to God's Word. Yep. All right. We asked earlier today some questions, Josh. Uh, 
we asked what purpose, what was the purpose of miracles in the Bible, specifically in the New Testament? What purpose did they fulfill? Are miracles still needed to accomplish these purposes today? Number two, how did people receive the ability to work miracles in New Testament times? Are those means still available today? Are such miracles still being performed by people today, yes or no, why or why not? What are the differences between supposed miracles done today versus the miracles done in the Bible? And number five, what are the differences between those who claim to speak in tongues today versus how people spoke in tongues in the Bible? And so I think all of these will help us to build the case of what the Scriptures teach on the subject of miracles and whether or not they're still present in the world today. First off, we need to get to the purpose of miracles. What was the purpose of the miracles as defined by the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. So that's an interesting question. You know, so obviously the people that received the the miraculous work in their life had a benefit to that. You know, there were people that were healed that had various ailments and illnesses. And when they were healed, obviously it benefited them. Uh, and I think one of the misunderstandings today is these people that claim to be, you know, uh, fake healer, they're, they're fake healers. They claim to be faith healers is that it's just because God wants everybody to be healthy and wealthy and, and, and so on. And so that's what the purpose was. But that's not what the purpose was in the New Testament. It's very clear that it was. Yeah, in, in Mark 16, um, down at about verse 20, it says, They went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. So the word would be confirmed with signs. Uh, it was able to prove that the word that was being spoken by uh, these inspired men, uh, that God was approving of it by the miracles they were able to work. God was with them. They were able to work miracles. And so therefore the people could hear them and see what they were doing and say that that must be from God. We should believe that. Uh, and that that really was the purpose of miracles in the New Testament. Yeah, God, or Jesus said that these things would, would the, these signs would follow them. And they went out and the signs did follow them and confirm the word. Hebrews chapter 2 gives us some additional commentary on that. In Hebrews chapter 2, beginning of verse 3, Hebrews chapter 2, um, beginning of verse, uh, verse, uh, verse 2. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast in every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. <clears throat> God was bearing witness that right. what they were speaking was the truth. That was the purpose of the miracles that they were working. Right. I think I think some of these folks today that... Um you know, claim to be practicing gifts of the Holy Spirit. I mean, they're acting like these gifts are just being thrown out like candy. You know, we used to go to parades as a kid, and they just throw candy out at the kids, and they act like that's what the gifts are like. It's just everybody gets a gift, you get a gift, and we'll we'll give you a gift. And if you're not getting gifts, you're not asking the right question. But that wasn't the case in in the New Testament at all. And I I was thinking about Luke chapter four, beginning at verse twenty five. Jesus speaking, he said, "I tell you of a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias." when the heaven was shut up three years and six mm -hmm. months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elias sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elysius, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman, <clears throat> the Syrian. You know, Jesus talked about this case, and he's got a couple, couple stories here. Uh, and I think that shows that 
God's been selective with his miracles. It wasn't just being thrown out, like, you know, like I said, like candy. I'm not sure that's the best mm-hmm. way to put it. But it wasn't just miracles weren't just thrown around without purpose. There was a purpose. And miracles weren't there to amuse people, but they were to confirm that God, who God's prophets were, who God's uh, messengers were, you know, people bearing uh, or, or people giving the message of God, teaching and preaching. And it was ordered to further his plan of salvation. And that's what the apostles went about doing. And that's what the purpose of the miracles was, to confirm that God was with them. Okay. Um, and we can see quite quite clearly from the scriptures that the purpose of miracles was not to enrich the one who was working the miracles, which is what the, that right. accomplishes today by the so-called fake miracle workers. Right. Benny Hinn and others mm-hmm. who are sitting on their private jets going from city to city. That was not... The result of those, <coughs> excuse me, working miracles in the New Testament. Right. Yeah, Jacob. So uh, this this person that I've recently been in contact with that believes in working these miracles and, and having the gifts of the Holy Spirit. One of the I had an opportunity to, to listen to a lesson being presented. Uh, it's a, by a lady that is doing this. And she said, God does not want you to be broke or have sickness put on you. In other words, she's saying he, he wants you to be rich. And if you just, if you receive these gifts of the Holy Spirit, you will be rich and you will be able to never get sick, you know. Uh, but as you said, you know, the Apostle Paul didn't go about getting rich or, or passing out, handing out miracles and healing people and then saying, well, by the way, you know, throw throw a little money no, here. He was, he, he was making tents, right? He wasn't getting rich <laughs> right. off of his, uh, right. off his miracle working. Yeah. And it wasn't to cure the world of all its in sickness and pain. That's right. Because even those in Paul's tight circle still had sickness and pain. Right. In First Timothy or Second Timothy chapter four, verse twenty, Paul says, Paul who could work miracles, we will remember in Acts chapter twenty, let's see, it was Acts chapter nineteen, I believe. Acts chapter nineteen, that they were they were bringing uh, things from Paul's body, and uh, these miracles were uh, being done. Look at this, uh, Acts nineteen verse eleven. Now, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. Paul was able to work miracles and he was working some really unusual miracles uh, is what uh, how God describes it there in Luke Acts 19 verse 11. But notice those in Paul's tight circle in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 20, Erastus abode at, Cor- at Corinth, but Trophimus I've left at Miletum sick. Paul left Trophimus behind so he could recuperate from his illness. Now, Paul could work miracles. Why wouldn't he just um, work a miracle on on Trophimus here and get him over whatever was ailing him? You remember Timothy had stomach infirmities, and Paul instructed Mm -hmm. him that he should drink a little wine for his stomach's sake and his often infirmities. And we also know that Paul himself had physical ailments. They were described as thorns in the flesh, and he desired greatly that they be taken away from him. And the answer wasn't, well, God doesn't want any of that sickness to come on you. The answer was, well, my grace is sufficient for you. So obviously here, the purpose of miracles wasn't just to rid the world of disease. Right. And, you know, what's interesting is in John 20, uh, Verses 30 and 31, it says, Many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. 
But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. The miracles that were performed and all the things that happened are there recorded for us so that we can have faith, so that we can read them, we can believe in them, we can understand that they were true, and that the word that was spoken and preached and written down and recorded for us is the word of God. Right. It's still accomplishing that, that purpose. You can have the confidence because of right. the miracles that are recorded. You don't need to see them today. That's right. The word has been confirmed, and we don't need to confirm it anymore. Kent in Calvary, Georgia, says the purpose of the miracles as recorded in the New Testament was to confirm the message preached by the apostles of Christ and other inspired preachers as being the word of God and therefore true, Mark 16, 16 through 20, the passage you referenced earlier. <clears throat> no one during the first century was successful in denying or contradicting the truth of God then, nor can they do so today. Miracles are not needed today because the word of God has been totally once and for all confirmed as being true. And uh, Dwight out in Iowa says uh, he references Exodus 3, verse 20, and Exodus 4, verses 4 and 5. Exodus 3, verse 20 says, So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my miracles, which I shall do in the midst of it. And after that, he will let you go. Verse 4 of Exodus 4, but The Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand and grasp it by its tail. So he stretched out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. So they that they may believe that the Lord, the God of your, their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. I believe that at least in the Old Testament, miracles were used to cause people to believe in God and that he could work through people like Moses. As for the in the New Testament, I believe that miracles were used to prove the spoken word. Mark 16, verse 20, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 4. Uh, passages that we all, we read as well, and the question to the question: Are miracles needed today? No miracles are not are needed. No miracles are needed simply because we have the written word of God that we can look into. John eight thirty two tells us we will know the truth, and the truth will make us free. All right, so good um, observations there from Dwight and from Kent tonight. Yeah, they're not needed today. Now, if the purpose of miracles was just so that you wouldn't have to have that uh, aching back and uh, that headache then we still would need miracles today. Right. But it wasn't the purpose of miracles in the first century, and the, uh, it's not the purpose today. The purpose was in the first century to confirm what was being spoken, to encourage those in the first century uh, that were without the complete revealed word of God, that we have the complete real, revealed word of God today, and there's no longer a need. Yeah. All right. Why don't we get a break, and when we get, our, we get back, we'll uh, take your thoughts. Uh, on this important subject, are there still miracles today? The next question we asked was, how did people receive the ability to work miracles in the New Testament times? Are those means still available today? You know, we look at the purpose of miracles. We see that it's no, they're no longer needed because the purpose has been fulfilled. Now let's look at how people even got the ability to work miracles, and we'll see, I believe, that those that method of transference is no longer available today, and so that we couldn't have miracles even if we did need them today because... We have no longer a way to have the miracles transferred. We'll get that on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The Virtual Bible Study will be back right after this. Here's a quick thought. Though a man might prevail against one who's alone, two will withstand him. And a threefold cord is not easily broken. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 12. Standing with others of like precious faith will strengthen you. Don't try to go it alone. God never intended for us to do that. God tells us there is strength in numbers. 
Seize the day. Here's some quotes worth pondering. The bad news is time flies. The good news is you're in the pilot seat. Failure is frequently the path of least resistance. Man, wish I'd said that. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. We're back on the program tonight as we talk about miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit and ask if they are in the world today. 931-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. And to the question we asked before the break now, Josh, is how were miracles transferred in the New Testament? How did someone get the ability to work miracles? Yeah, there's a couple passages uh, that I think we can reference that Paul wrote to Timothy. Um, in in First Timothy Chapter 4, verse 14, it says, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. So I think there's I think there's something in there. There's a gift that is in thee, Paul wrote to Timothy, and he said that gift was given um, with the laying on of hands. And Second Timothy 1 and verse 6, it says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee, by the putting on of my hands. So uh, there's there's something that we learned there about gifts being passed along by the laying on of hands, and and of course Paul wrote these these two books to Timothy, uh, and he said you've got that gift it was given to you by laying on of my hands he said there in Second Timothy one and verse six so we're learning there that um, you know laying on of hands had to deal with passing along these gifts uh, that Paul referenced. Um, go ahead. So. Uh, now, the question, there could be a question about what the gift is in First mm-hmm. Timothy chapter 4. Not all gifts are miraculous gifts. That's and true. Uh, so <clears throat> we don't have definitive proof from either of these passages right. that uh, these were miraculous gifts that were transferred, right. especially with uh, flip, uh, chapter 4, verse 14 of First Timothy, uh, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery or the mm-hmm. eldership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Likely, the passage in the reference in second Timothy chapter one is the miraculous because of other passages that we'll look at yeah yeah you know really really one of the uh, passages that really helps us un- get an understanding of this is in acts chapter eight um, in acts chapter eight verses 14 and 15 mm-hmm. um, so there it says when the apostles which were at jerusalem heard that samaria had received the word of god they sent unto them peter and john who when they were come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Um, So we've got Philip here, uh, and Philip, in verse 13, uh, was, he he was um, working and and performing a whole bunch of signs and things going on. Simon the sorcerer, in verse 13, believed, he was baptized, and he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Philip was working miracles and signs. Philip, uh, I think, uh, was using the gifts that he had been given. The uh, miraculous gifts. The miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit. Philip right? was working those gifts. Right. And when they were baptized there in Acts chapter 8, they received the gift of the Holy Spirit that yes. was mentioned in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Right. Acts 2, verse 38 is not talking about anything miraculous. Right. But they had not the ability to work miraculous gifts, right. even though they had been baptized and they had been in the presence of Philip who could work miracles. Yeah. It took something else. Yeah, that's right. Philip was working miracles, but he couldn't evidently give them the ability to uh, work these miracles because that's that's what we read there in verse 14. Uh, Peter and John were sent for, the apostles, and 
when they came down, they prayed for these uh, people that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Um, and in verse 17 says they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. So Philip, Philip wasn't able to get that done. Uh, he, he was able to work the miracles, but he wasn't able to pass those on to others. It had to take the apostles to come down in order for that to happen. Now, there's an observation made in 18 that supports your conclusion. Yeah, so Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given. Uh, and then, of course, Simon tried to offer the money. He wanted to buy the gift. What did he want to buy? Look at verse 19. Yeah, it says, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands he may receive the Holy Ghost. And then Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Yeah. So he saw that it yeah. took the apostles laying hands on you. He wanted that ability, <clears throat> the ability that Philip didn't have. Right. He wanted it himself, but he said, hey, yeah. I've got a little, little money here. <laughs> yeah. And they said, no way, you can't do that. Yeah, pretty interesting, pretty interesting. So, so that tells us, I mean, that one case right there tells us that evidently you could have the ability to work these things, but may not be able to pass them on. And so there's no other there's no other means by which they're transferred outside of the apostles that we see laying their hands on and, and causing people to be able to receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit and work right. miracles. All right. Um, and so I think that's a very powerful passage to help us understand how the ability to work miracles are transferred. There's one other way that's mentioned, though, in the New Testament of how people receive the gift of uh, the Holy Spirit, the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. At the beginning of the book of Acts, um, in Acts chapter 1, and let me get back over there. In verses 4 and 5, this is right before Jesus um, ascended. Um, and he told, uh, in verse in verse 4, it says, Being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, which saith he ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. So Jesus told them to wait there uh, in Jerusalem, and they were going to receive this promise uh, of the Holy Ghost. And then in Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and they appeared unto them as cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So the promise was made by Jesus. You wait there in Jerusalem. You're going to be given this gift of the Holy Spirit, and then... They waited there, and then that's exactly what happened. The Holy Spirit uh, uh, came in and, and filled the room and uh, uh, landed upon them, and it looked like cloven tongues of fire. And then they were able, at, from that point, after this uh, this event happened, they were able to perform these miraculous works. All right, so the baptism of the Holy Spirit that's gave right. you the ability to work the miraculous yeah. gifts. Well, you know, that wasn't the only time that happened either. That's true. I'll we read about that again. Yeah, that's true. Over there in Acts chapter 10. There you go. Over there in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius uh, was a man who, a very devout man, um, and he was baptized. He and his household were baptized of the of the Holy Spirit as well. Um, verse 44 beginning. Yeah, I was going to say, I lost, I lost my verse there. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Uh, and, and then the story goes on. So Peter uh, was talking to Cornelius, mm -hmm. and the same thing happened, yeah. just like it happened back there in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Ghost yeah. fell upon them. 
And they were able to speak with tongues. Yeah, look at there. Yeah. So we got two different cases of people being baptized by the Holy Spirit. Now, it's interesting, though, as we look further in um, into this account, uh, as um, we look in chapter 11, Peter now has to defend the fact that he went into the Gentiles, which was a complete no-no for someone who right. was a Jew. Right. And Peter tells him, you know, well, I, got, I saw a sign from God that, uh, that things have changed, and uh, we went in. And verse uh, verse 16 of uh, Acts chapter 11, then I remember the word of the Lord, how he said to him, said, so actually start in verse uh, 15, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them as upon us at the beginning. Then I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I should withstand God? And he, he says here <clears throat> that they received the Holy Spirit as it fell on them at the beginning. Yeah. From all indications, this, these are the only two times that the Holy Spirit baptism took place, on the day of Pentecost and with the Gentiles, which is important because it yeah. was a sign to right. those who were around them that something has happened, something was approved by God. The apostles in the first, on the day of Pentecost, Gentiles here in Acts chapter 10. And by the time we get over to Ephesians, uh, and we see in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 5, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So by the time we get to Ephesians chapter 4, there's no more Holy Spirit baptism. There's only one baptism, baptism right. in water. Um, and uh, Holy Spirit baptism, it ceased by Ephesians chapter 4. Yeah, and that's not just, as you said, coincidental. Um, there was a purpose for that, for the mm-hmm. apostles to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then Gentiles, uh, Cornelius and his family, the first Gentile converts. Right. Uh, so... One of the most important things to point out when these these scenarios is it was a promise, not a command. Uh, you know, everybody was not commanded to be baptized of the Holy Spirit. Some of these some of these people today will tell you you've got to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. There that's never commanded. We we don't see there was two instances where that took place and there was a purpose for that. That purpose no longer exists for us today. The baptism of the Holy Spirit doesn't happen today. The need for it isn't there. Uh, there's one baptism, as you pointed out. And in both of those accounts, we see that those who were baptized by the Holy Spirit were passive in that action. There was no, We don't see anything about that. what they did right. to cause that to happen. It happened to them. Yeah. It wasn't a decision that they made. Right. Yes, because it was promised, right? And I, I eventually, or, or surely want to focus on that in Acts chapter 1. They were promised that it was going to happen, not not commanded to go and you call out uh to god or you call out to the holy spirit say like, come upon me words, yeah yeah no it's not there yeah you're right absolutely yeah. right and 931-381-4567 questions at college kent says the apostles of christ received the ability to work miracles through the means of the holy spirit baptism in acts 1 verse 8 other christians during the first century received this ability by the impartation of such miraculous gifts only through the apostles of christ acts 8 verses 14 through 20 Romans 1, verses 9 through 11. Individuals today cannot work miracles because of three reasons. Number one, Holy Spirit baptism ceased by the time the book of Ephesians had been written, Ephesians 4, verse 5. Number two, there are no living apostles of Christ on earth to confirm miraculous, and that one uh, today can meet the qualifications to be an apostle, Acts 1, verses 21 and 22. Number three, miracles were never designed to be part of the permanent structure of the New Testament church and cease upon the completion of the inspired word of God, 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 10, Ephesians 4, 11 through 15. Good comments there uh, from Kent. 
And we need to look at that passage in 1 Corinthians 13 a little bit more um, detail after we get back from our break. Dwight says, according to Acts 2, verses 1 through 4, the apostles were given the ability through the Holy Spirit. Later, the apostles were able to bestow gifts to others. Uh, these means have been done away with. The Holy Spirit works through the word to prick people's hearts, Dwight says. So thank you for those comments uh, tonight, Dwight. All right. Any comments on that uh, before we go to our break, Josh? Um, yeah, I was just looking at Romans 1, verse 11. Somebody had, had referenced that. Um, and Paul said, For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. Uh, and so, yeah, Paul talk, talked about being able to be there to... Uh, impart spiritual gifts upon them. He was able to do that. Um, and part of the second half of the question, question two, was are those means still available today? Um, and the answer of that, of course, is no. Uh, e- even if there was a person still alive today that had their hands, uh, had hands laid upon them, had the gift passed on to them, they couldn't pass it on any further. There's no apostles alive today. There's people that claim to be apostles, but they're not true apostles. Yeah, Kent references Acts 1, verses 21 through and 22, that, that give some of the indications of what was required in order to be a, an apostle. Yeah. Some qualifications there to replace Judas. Uh, no one meets those qualifications right. today. Right. Yeah, so, so there's, no, there's, there's no means by which we can receive that today. Uh, the, way, the way that they receive that in the Bible, there's no means by which we can do that. Yeah. All right, we're going to get a break, and when we get back, we'll continue the discussion. Are such miracles still being are such miracles still being performed by people today? Yes or no? Why or why not? We've given you some indication that they're not because there's no way for them to be conveyed anymore. We've also given indication that they are no longer needed because their purpose is no longer needed, and we have scripture to back that up. We'll get to that on the other side of this week's bullet point. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Imagine this. You walk into a fast food restaurant and order a hamburger, fries, and a Coke the all-American meal. But then you notice that it seems to take an unusually long time to get your food. Finally, the gal at the counter brings up your order. Piles of food on three separate trays. What's all this, you ask? Well, answers the waitress, it's one of every item on our menu. Your bill comes to $85.68. You protest, I didn't tell you to bring me all that food. But, she replies, you didn't tell me not to. Could this happen? Of course not. We all know that when you specify what you want, you automatically eliminate other options. We operate with this understanding every day. In fact, this logic is so standard that we don't even think about it. When you order something from a catalog or call in a pizza or write a grocery list, you naturally assume that it is understood that you want only what is specified and nothing else. What's the point of all this? Simply that in religious matters, we ought to employ the same logic. God has perfectly revealed through his word what he wants us to do in his service. We should naturally assume that since he has told us what he wants, other things ought to be left out. For instance, what about music and worship? The New Testament specifies singing. There's no mention of instrumental music in New Testament worship. Since God has told us to sing and nothing else, we ought to do just that. Someone answers, but it doesn't say not to play instruments. The scriptures don't have to say not to. That's the whole point. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. 
Hi, my name is Bob Tidwell, and I want to remind you that the Virtual Bible Study provides a great opportunity to use your computer for something good. So turn off the TV and gather your family around the computer each Thursday night for the Virtual Bible Study. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over, and the Virtual Bible Study <clears throat> is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. And we're back on the program tonight talking about miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit. Ask if they're in the world today. I want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College U Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more at thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeu.com. And if you have to be happen to be out there on the YouTube, you can find it there too, Kyle. Yeah, which our other channel, uh, College View Livestream, you can find it just really easy in your search bar on YouTube. Uh, just type in College View, um, which uh, it's C O L L E G E V U E. So, uh, a lot of good studies on there. Uh, we're doing some. Good lessons on, uh, of course, Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, and two sermons on uh, Sunday. So, a lot of good, a lot of good things to add to your Bible study. And the production quality happens to be top notch. Uh, well, we try, we try. Right. But that's yeah. not the important. It's a good thing, thing to, yeah. It's a, that's not the important. Thing. Yeah, the substance. We try to put a good substance there out there. That's go. all it is. There you that's go. It. Now I can like and subscribe too, right? Yep, yep. No charge. Maybe yeah, no click, subscription fee. Click the bell. Then you do that too. Yeah, we don't. We're not going to put the little graphic on there, the little de- the bell ding. You know, we're just yeah. going to. You know, if you want to subscribe, if you want to do it, you can. Yeah. No, no, no pressure, no yeah. strings attached. All right, <laughs> we're talking about miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit today. Um, Josh, there are some who say, though, you know, <clears throat> it was prophesied that yeah. uh, that mir- miracles were going to occur in the Christian age. Uh, right. So what what's up with you saying that they don't occur today? Yeah, so in, in Joel 2, uh, beginning of verse 28, it says, It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, and upon the servants and upon the handmaids. In those days will I pour out my spirit. I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before that great and terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. So Joel definitely prophesied that there's going to be coming a time where God's Spirit was going to be poured out. Uh, And we see the fulfillment of that in Acts chapter 2. Yeah. On the day of Pentecost. uh, It's interesting that Peter, whenever he was preaching this sermon on Pentecost in verse 16, uh, so I guess I guess back up before that, there were people that were mocking in verse 13, uh, and they were saying these men are they must be drunk they're because drunk. they're speaking yeah. in these different these different yeah. tongues or these different languages. Uh, they were in verse 12. They were looking at each other like what what's going on here? What what does this mean? And in verse 14, Peter standing up with the eleven lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judea and all you that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known to you and hearken to my words. These are not drunken as you suppose, but it is the third hour of the day. Verse 16, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Yeah. And he goes on to that, that the passage that I just read. He goes on to say, this is what's going on that Joel prophesied about. You're yeah. seeing that today. Yeah. Um, so some say, yeah, it was prophesied. Joel, Joel prophesied about this. Uh, you know, why don't you guys believe it if Joel prophesied and said it was going to happen? Well, we do believe it. We believe that it happened, and it happened on Acts on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Acts 2 and Acts 10, when you put those two together, yeah. then you have the fulfillment of what it That's says right. there in verse 17. I will pour out my spirit on all, all flesh. flesh. That doesn't mean everybody. It right. means both Jew and Gentile, Correct. and it occurred in Acts 2 yeah. and Acts 10. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it makes perfect sense. It, it, it fits together so well, and we understand that that happened. What we, that's what we've talked about. The, uh, the Spirit was poured out upon all flesh. It had a purpose. But today that, that purpose isn't there for us. And yeah. so we absolutely believe that happened. Yeah. Um, but it's just not, uh, not today. That, that time period has passed where that was going to take place. All right. Uh, 931-381-4567. college.com And the chat window is dead. It is. I need somebody just to message so I make sure it's working. Yeah, I mean, if we were working Miracles Day, we might could bring it back from the dead, but I'm not sure there's any hope for it tonight. I don't know. It's it's been quiet. It may be gone. All right. So, number three on our questions tonight, are such miracles still being performed by people today? Yes or no? Why or why not? Well, you know, we've already in a roundabout way answered that question, but in, in 1 Corinthians 13, there's a couple very important verses mentioned there. In 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 8, Paul said, Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. And in verse 10, he says, But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. So Paul very clearly says there's going to come a time when this is going to stop happening. Mm-hmm. And so it's up to us to to try to get an understanding when is that time is that Correct. way off in the future now the the person that i had a chance to talk to i asked them about this and they said well that's when we get to heaven okay uh, and i said well I, t- I totally disagree with that verse 10 says when that which is perfect is come what would that be referring to and i believe it's talking about the completed revelation of god you know in, in james 1 in verse 25 uh, james said but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. He called it the perfect law of liberty, perfect or complete will of God. When that comes, then there's not going to be a need for the, these miraculous gifts to be taking place. And that makes sense with what we've already said. There was a purpose for it to confirm the word. Once the word's been confirmed, once the revelation's been completely revealed, there's no need for miraculous works. That's right. So that perfect is used there, as you mentioned in James. We can also go get some more context clues from 1 Corinthians 13 as to what the perfect could be. The perfect is set in in opposition to that which is in part. We know in part and we prophesy in part. When that which is perfect has come, that which is in part will be done away. So we have a a little bit of knowledge now. We have a little bit of prophesying now. But when the complete knowledge is here, then those partial things are going to be done away. It's not talking about Jesus. It's talking about the Word of God. Yeah. It's not talking about heaven. Right. It's talking about the Word of God. Yeah. And we get more context clues from 1 Corinthians 13 by looking at just the language itself. It says, but when that which is perfect has come, not that, not who has, is perfect. Yeah. Jesus is a who, not right. a that. Right. Uh, and so the language simply doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. When we understand that they just had... They didn't have the whole picture. I mean, they had they had a piece of the picture. Yeah. They didn't have the whole thing. You know, today we we've got the whole picture. We can look back and see how it all fits together. The, that which is perfect that Paul talked about, that's come. The word of God has come. It's yeah. been revealed. Yeah. And so there's no need for these spiritual gifts. Number. <coughs> Furthermore, as we continue to look at context clues, we drop down uh, as we keep going on. Verse 11, when I, in verse 1 Corinthians 13, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, 
then I should know even as I am known. Well, that reinforces our our conclusion. That this is talking about yeah. the revealed Word of God. Right. I can know as I'm known. Mm-hmm. I can look into this mirror of God's mm-hmm. Word and see God see how God sees me. Verse 13, now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. When the miracles are done, when these things that are in part are done, there's going to be three things left over, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Well, it can't be Jesus and it can't be heaven because there won't be any faith in heaven. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the substance of things not seen. Substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. Hope, Hebrews chapter 8, tells us that we're, we don't hope for things that we have already. Right. We won't have hope or faith in yeah. heaven, but yeah. we will have love, and yeah. it is the greatest of these three because yeah. it's going to remain throughout eternity. That's right. Yeah, it'll be realized there. there won't, yeah. We won't be yeah. uh, hoping for something yeah. more. It'll be there. Yeah, so are miracles still being performed by people today? No, because we're told in the New Testament there's coming a time when uh, miracles will be done away. Right. Yeah. Jacob, uh, go ahead. No, I was I was just going to say, um, you know, one of the things when whenever talking about this, you know, uh, um, the person that I studied with about this said, well, how do you explain what I've seen and, and what I've done? And, you know, the fact of the matter is we, we don't have to go and explain all that. What I know is what the Bible teaches. So whatever you're claiming, I, you know, I don't have to explain all that. I'm just telling you that I know that. I don't have to go to these subjective right. things. I know what the Bible teaches. Yeah, that's right. And I know that there can be false signs. That's right. Maybe yeah. we're dealing with some of that. Yeah. But oh, I know 100%. what the scriptures teach. I can, there's, there's nothing subjective about right. this. That's yeah. right. Kent says uh, that when to the question, are miracles still being performed by people today? No. The reason such is the case is because the purpose of miracles has been fulfilled and their means to receive the ability to perform such is no longer available. Therefore, miracles have ceased. And, and Dwight says in his email from Iowa, people believe they are still working miracles today, but according to God's word, no, miracles have ceased because we have the word of God for people to read and to have in faith, have faith in God. Romans 10:17 says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Also, 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 10 tells us that when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. The perfect here is not talking of Jesus. It is speaking of the word of God. Remember the example of a building of building a building while it is being built, we have scaffolding up on the outside, and when complete, we tear down the scaffolding that is no longer needed. Miracles are like this scaffolding. <clears throat> Once the, we have the written word of God, miracles are no longer needed. All right, All right we've got we've got a lot going on in the chat room now. <laughs> so, uh, All right, hit us with the chat. Yeah, so, so Dwight says we're here in snowy Iowa, so the chat room does work. Right, they're, having hard, <laughs> they're having trouble typing with their numb fingers. That's right. Okay. All right, so we got a guest that says, just curious what your opinions might be with regards to the well-documented miracles in the Catholic Church, such as the miracle of the sun at Fatima, liquefaction of Janarius' blood annually, the Eucharist miracles like Lenciano, incorruptibles, etc., among many others. Well, I think we just spent we just spent time, and I'm not really familiar with, with all those different things, but we just spent time talking about the Bible clearly tells us that miraculous age has ended. So any such claims that miracles are going on today is in disagreement with the Bible, you know, and again, I don't know what those things are referenced. Um, but we know that the Bible says those things would, would cease. That's a good observation. So let's, let's, let's deal with what the scriptures teach because we know there can be lying wonders and signs. Right. Um, we know that people can be, uh, mis, uh, mistaken in their, in their observations. Mm-hmm. We do know the scriptures are objective. 
let's deal with what the scriptures teach about miracles. Right. And that will help us then to maybe categorize some of the things that we're seeing around us as, are they real? Right. Are they true? Are they from God? Uh, and that helps yeah. us make a determination. Yep. Yep. Okay. All right. Dwight Michelle then said uh, something uh, that that uh, that we talked about, you talked about, Jacob, is Jesus. When that which is perfect has come. Some people believe that's talking about Jesus. That theory is not true. Uh, it's it's the word. And then uh, Kaj V. Admin, I believe that's Greg, says, Notice that faith, hope, and charity would abide after the perfect arrives. Therefore, the perfect could not be Jesus. When he comes, faith and hope will end in full realization. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, yeah, we welcome uh, the comments uh, from our listener on the on the Catholic miracles. If you got to follow up, uh, send those in. Let us let us hear your thoughts, or give us a call nine three one three eight one four five six seven. All right, we need to get a break. <clears throat> when we get back, we need to look at some differences because there are differences between the supposed miracles done today versus the ones we see in the Bible, and there are differences between so-called speaking in tongues today, which you have observed. But there are differences between that and what we read about the speaking of tongues in the New Testament. We need to look at both of those before we conclude the program tonight, and we'll get to that on the other side of this break. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Hello. Hey, Matt. No, I don't have any plans for Friday night. What are you doing? Oh, I won't be able to go with you to watch that movie. Because, Matt, the movie is rated R. Hey, why don't you just come over and hang out at my house Friday night? Great, I'll see you there. Being pleasing to God means that you may have to be different than the crowd. But don't be afraid to stand up for what's right. You just might find it is easier than what you expect. A message brought to you by College of Church of Christ. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. According to a new survey, the question is not whether Christianity will decline in America. It's how fast and how far will it decline. The projection is that in 2070, Christians will likely make up less than half the U.S. population. Currently, 64% of people say they are Christians, but nearly a third of those who are raised Christian eventually switch to none or nothing in particular while only about 20% of those raised without religion turn to become Christians. If that ratio of switching continues at a steady pace, then in roughly half a century, only about 46% of Americans will identify as Christian. That information is via Pew Research. The Word of God says in Psalm 9, verse 17, The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. And we're back on the program, going to the top of the hour, asking, are there miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit in the world today? And as we answer that question, Kyle, we've noticed that the purpose of miracles has uh, been fulfilled. They're no longer needed. We see that no people today don't have the ability to work miracles because the way that they were, the ability was transferred in the New Testament does not exist today. And we've also seen that people are not working miracles today because uh, the, the Scripture talked about a time when they would cease, and that time has come, and therefore they have ceased. But now we also want to uh, examine the answer to this question by just doing some observations and ask, are the miracles that are being done today, or the supposed miracles being done today, are they like the miracles we read about in the New Testament? 
Yeah, it's interesting, Jacob, because the people that claim to be able to do miracles today, very often you will hear them claim to to heal things like a fever. <clears throat> you know, and that, that's pretty tough to to be able to determine if that's happening or not, right? Or uh, maybe they supposedly uh, cast a demon out or something. Well, again, that's something that I can't see. Um, I haven't seen anybody claim to heal a uh, somebody that lost their arm or lost their leg, mm-hmm. be able to heal that and cause that to be fully restored. We don't see people claiming to do that today. But in the Bible, when somebody was healed, it was immediate. Uh, it was uh, inst- instantaneous, and it was uh, total healing, complete healing. I was thinking about Acts chapter 3 and verse 7. Yeah. Um, here, here's a situation where Peter and John were uh, about to go into the temple in verse 3. Verse 4, Peter uh, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us, and he gave heed unto him. So there was a lame man in verse 2. Not just any lame man. Right. He had never, ever That's right. walked. And he, he had to be carried and laid daily by the gate of the temple. Uh, and so it was very well known that this he guy was. a well-known was, guy. That's right. He he was a disabled fellow. He was he, he had been that way for a long, long time. You remember You ever remember Melvin? I do. Yeah, I do. He was a he was a man who he yeah. begged around right. this town. Right. Well known. Everybody knew. Yeah. Him. Yeah. yeah. So we you say to... that name, and everybody in yeah. Columbia, Tennessee, knows who that is. You, you knew Melvin. That's right. All right. Now this is this was the first century equivalent of Melvin. Right. Everybody knew who he was. Everybody well, would know I, this guy. Probably not like Melvin, but he was first century right. equivalent of a beggar. Right. Yeah. 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 So Peter and John come up upon him, and uh, he was laying there begging. And Peter said, "Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee." In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So that's not having to go to physical therapy no. three or four times a week no. and then stretch out. And then now you got to do some exercises to build up yeah, muscles. Get you on this walker thing that's going right. to sort of give you some. No, 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 no. Yeah, this uh, fellow's. He feet was, uh, and ankle bones received strength, and he was able to stand up. In verse 8, it says, He leaping up, stood and walked, and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And he wasn't, he wasn't a young man either. Verse 22 of Acts chapter 4 says that he was over 40 years old. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, he had, and he had never walked. When your kids learned to walk, Josh, that wasn't a pretty thing. No, it took them a while. And and, they're going to fall a lot. Yeah, they were, and it, was, they were, it, was, it wasn't even, you could barely even call it walking when it first started. Right. Yeah. But he jumped up and he leaps up, and he's walking and leaping and yeah, praising yeah, God just like that. Strength, and, immediate. Yeah, yeah. That's a different that's than right. the miracles that we see today. Yeah, you know. Also, I was thinking about this. You know, in Bible times, there were there was. And we're not going to be able to talk about every example, but there was power over nature. Jesus was able to calm a storm. He was able to feed thousands with just a few loaves of bread and some fish. All kinds of diseases were healed. Uh, it just about the total opposite of what people claim that are happening today. I, I uh, there, there has been no kind of healing today that somebody has shown that is like anything like Bible healing. It's just, it's just not. I, I read a story about uh, Amy McPherson. I think she was one of these healers out in Amy California. Simple McPherson. Yeah. So she, they had a trophy room, I, I guess, and uh, and that trophy room would be crutches and wheelchairs and whatever. Uh, and it was observed, though, there's no prosthetic limbs in there. There's no eyeballs in there. There's no, there's nothing like that. It's all things that you could, not well-known individuals, people that, you know, mm-hmm. maybe I've got a, a headache. Now I'm cured. Uh, or I've got a fever. Now my fever's gone. It, it wasn't anything like the healings in the Bible that were well-documented and, and for sure 
And when true miracles were done, the fake miracle workers acknowledged the true miracles. There right. was no denying. Right. Back in Acts chapter 8, Simon the sorcerer, he had made his fame and fortune by deceiving people. When he came in contact face-to-face with the real miracles, he said, whoa, wait a minute. This is the real stuff. This is the right. real deal. Right. And uh, uh, so it is possible to be deceiving folks, but there's a big contrast between mir- biblical true miracles right. and the fake ones. One other one other thing that was true as well, uh, sometimes today if uh, a supposed healing is about to take place and it doesn't work, then it will be put off on that person. Well, you didn't have enough faith. Yeah. But I was thinking about the case of Dorcas in Acts chapter 9. It's found in verses 36 to 40. Uh, this Dorcas was a person who was sick and she died. And they were they were preparing the body and they were mourning over her and everything. And Peter uh, came there uh, and he turned to the body and told her to arise. And she sat up. She didn't have any kind of faith. She was dead. She didn't know anything that was going on. And so it, it, if it didn't work... Then they couldn't say, well, Dorcas didn't have enough faith. Yeah. No, she, she wasn't alive. Yeah, she wasn't there. But she was dead. They knew she was dead, and Peter uh, raised her from the dead, which is interesting, Jacob. I was telling you before we got started, this, this person that claims to be able to work miracles, I had a chance to talk with her, and I asked her, let's go to the hospital. Let's go to the funeral home, and, and if, if we can work miracles, let's, let's do this. Uh, and, of course, she declined my, my invitation uh, to do that. Um, but that what happened in the New Testament times is contrary to what is claimed to uh, happened being happening today. Yeah, and uh, now uh, <clears throat> one other thing about New Testament miracles is that they could they could not be refuted, right? By those who had every right. reason to. In Acts chapter four, you remember the <clears throat> ruling authorities were upset. Uh, the religious establishment yeah. was upset that they were working these miracles. In verse 16, they said, What shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. There was nothing right. that could be shown right. to be fake or right. questionable about this. They had no option but to say, Yeah, yeah, that's a miracle. Right. We yeah, got a problem. Yeah, they called it a miracle. This was yeah. some kind of smoke and mirrors kind of trick here. It was yeah. a miracle, and it cannot be denied. So yeah. interesting. All right. Um, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Um, the, uh, our, our commenter in the chat room says, none of the miracles I mentioned were on my radar before either, but the miracle of the sun, for instance, had over 70,000 witnesses, including atheists and Freemasons, and was also documented with photographs and newspaper articles. And so you and I both were uh, unaware of what this miracle of the sun or the miracle of Fatima was. Uh, it looks like it was a series of events reported to have occurred miraculously on the 13th of October, 1917. Uh, in response to a prophecy made by three shepherd children, the prophecy was that the Virgin Mary would appear and perform miracles on that date. Newspaper uh, published testimony for witnesses who said they had seen <clears throat> extraordinary solar activity, such as the sun appearing to dance or zigzag in the sky, careen towards the earth, or emit multicolored light and radiant colors. According to these reports, the event lasted approximately 10 minutes. So we have to look into that. Um, 
to that uh, to see what's going on. Um, but I believe we could come up with a, an explanation uh, of uh, of that um, as through natural phenomenon. But we we'd have to do a little more research on that. Yeah. Which, uh, Jacob, you want to know if if miracles similar to those, why are they so contained to this one pocket? And then we have to hear rumors of these miracles happening. I just would think if if it was in God's grand scheme for miracles to be around, they would be publicized daily. That the hospitals would be empty, emergency rooms they would just be as soon as you walk in the emergency room, you just walk right back out. I just yeah. don't. I just don't think it would just be contained. It would be accessible. It would not be these rumors that you hear and. Uh, Things from 1917 or 1950 or 60 or this—they would be daily, and I just—it's okay. the rarity of these perceived miracles. Okay, uh, right—that is something to be questioned for sure. Um, David in the chat room references First Corinthians 14 verse two, and that gets us to our next question: yeah. What are the differences between those who claim to speak in tongues today versus how people spoke in tongues in the Bible? Now, you yeah. recently got to observe some speaking in tongues, uh, or so-called. Right. What was it like? Yeah. Well, uh, quite a bit, <coughs> quite a bit different from what took place in, in the Bible. Uh, before we before we go to First uh, Corinthians 14, so on the day of Pentecost, we talked about when these these men were baptized with the the Holy Ghost. Uh, at verse eight. Um, so, so they began to uh, speak in tongues. Verse 6 says, When this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man uh, heard them speak in his own language, and they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these uh, which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? And all these, all these different languages were listed. And verse 11 says, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. So that day, the message of God was proclaimed, and what was being heard was not gibberish. What was being heard was a true, a real language, mm-hmm. uh, and that's a miraculous thing. These men didn't know all these languages, but they were able to able to impart the message of God to these people through that miraculous event. Now, when you heard uh, the folks speaking tongues recently, were they speaking like Spanish or German no. or Italian? No, it was it was just nothing more than mumbling. You know, nothing could be okay. made out, uh, and. D- just very interesting. There, there wasn't uh, any kind of um, talking to the, it, it was sort of just to to yourself. And actually, the direction was given. Okay, everybody just pray in tongues now, and and everybody spoke to themselves, and everybody was talking something different. Nobody was understanding what was being said. It was just gibberish being talked. Which is, in fact, no sign at all because I can talk in gibberish. That's right. Yeah, my kids did that as soon as they were born. Yeah. Well, well that's you know, no when they real trying to talk. sign. Right. But it was a sign in the first century That's that there's right. something special going on because these guys who don't know my language are yeah. speaking my language, and I can hear it and understand what they're saying in my language. That's right. That's a sign. That's right. Somebody just speaking gibberish is yeah. nothing. Let me ask you something about the speaking in tongues that you observed. How many people were speaking in tongues? Uh, well, and, and talking about the next two scenarios? No, I'm talking about oh, yeah. the scenario. Well, every, all of them. I guess everybody in there There was a me. bunch at yeah. one time. Yeah. That's interesting that the Spirit would cause them to do that or that they would do that because for in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26, however, how is it then, brethren, when you ever come together, each of you has a psalm, a teaching, a tongue, a revelation, has an interpretation, let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at three, at most three, each in turn, 
and that one interpret, were they doing any interpretation? No. Were they taking turns? No, they weren't. No. Were they just one or two or three? No, it was all of them. Uh-huh. And uh, verse 28 says, but if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Huh. Right. So they weren't following the pattern even. That's right. Uh, the instruction that was given <clears throat> yeah. sure does appear that these were fake. That's right. Yeah. Well, their, their answer when I when I questioned about that was was uh, David said First Corinthians fourteen two. Their their answer was well that was my personal prayer language. First um, Corinthians fourteen two says for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men but unto God for no man understandeth him howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. Yeah. And so they said well it's, it was just my personal prayer language. <clears throat> I said, well, a personal prayer language, you'd just be doing that between you and God. But it was in the middle of this service here, and everybody's doing it together. Mm-hmm. It's two, two totally different things. Those who spoke tongues, uh, Kent says, as recorded in the New Testament, spoke in actual languages and in a non-learned, miraculous manner. Those who claim to speak in tongues today do not speak in actual language today in, an isol- in a non-learned, miraculous manner. All these individuals today do nothing more than make unintelligent and ridiculous noise. He references or compares that to Acts 2, verses 5. 11. Uh, Dwight says people today have learned to speak another language <clears throat> uh, by being taught in one way or another. There's no one that I know of that can just out of the loose start talking another language that makes sense without them learning or hearing or maybe memorizing certain things from someone who knows this language. Back in the early church times, the people were truly given the ability to speak other languages by the Holy Spirit. These languages were not taught. They were immediately able to do this by the Holy Spirit working through them. Why have the written word of God if miracles still exist? Because the miracles would cause people to believe, not the word. I don't believe we could have both and maintain sound teaching because the scriptures would be contradicting itself. Good comments there. And I, I missed their comments on miracles. <clears throat> Kent says the miracles recorded in the New Testament are genuine and cannot be successfully denied. The actions today of some refer yeah. to as miracles are not miracles at all. The, those actions are false and deceptive. And Dwight says, but people think of miracles today are like when a baby is born or someone is healed of an illness. Someone doesn't board an airplane or ship and come to find out the plane or ship had an accident and everyone dies. God apparently kept them from getting on board, so that is a miracle to them. Miracles in the Bible are true supernatural happenings. The blind to see, the lame to walk, the dead raised from the grave, someone to walk on the water. These are miracles that are not being done today. All right, and in the chat room. Yeah, let's see. So uh, in, the, in the chat room, Greg says we really don't have a burden to explain away the claims about modern miracles. There may be any number of possible explanations. What we do know is that the Bible says they don't happen. Uh, and then he says, by the way, how do those who claim mixer miracles explain that people with widely varying doctrines all make similar claims? Is God the author of such confusion? I think it's a really good point because there's many people that claim to be able to work miracles, and yet they teach totally different things. Yeah. Well, if God was giving them that gift, then... Uh, God wouldn't be telling you one thing and then me something different. And standing beside the guy who says that uh, Jesus is the only being in the Godhead versus the guy who says yeah. that that God is in three persons. Yeah, they wouldn't. They, they, God wouldn't be working miracles with both of those guys. That's right. And we see all kinds of different flavors of those in the Pentecostal persuasion yeah. today teaching different things. What's yeah. up with that? Well, it just wouldn't be so. God is, as Greg said, God's not the author of confusion. His yeah. message in the Bible has been consistent, and it all fits together perfectly. There's no contradictions, uh, and that's how we know it's from God. And, and and among other things, that's how we know that these people that claim to be speaking in tongues and working miracles are not working the work of God. Right. All right. Good discussion tonight. Uh, Kyle, 
any comments from you? No, it's a good study. I think it's an important, it's an important discussion. Yeah. That's right. good. Good job. Appreciate you being here and helping us get it out on the air. Josh, appreciate uh, your time tonight. Appreciate yeah. uh, your comments. A good discussion. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Important. Yeah, I think Lots so. Of I think so. Lots of misconception out there. Yeah, yeah. But the answer to the confusion, as always, is in God's Word. The objective standard and truth of God's Word. That's where we need to find our answers, and uh, that's where we can find them and yeah. know what God wants us to know. Appreciate you being here. Appreciate you listening uh, tonight. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here again. No program next week. Thanksgiving, but uh, hope you make plans to be back here in two weeks for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life. Study His inspired word of the Bible and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the Internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.